Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce video and podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and managing partner of Cordell and Cordell. And we continue to every day bring you the latest information on COVID-19 and its effect on all matters of family law, before, during and after divorce, uh, especially during this pandemic, really, it's affected the lives of many men. Uh, couple that with the unemployment that we have, it was over 40 million, uh, kind of paused out at 20 million consistent. Uh, but we want to talk a lot about custody today, and we always bring you a Cordell and Cordell attorney, and today we invited Carolyn. Welcome. Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for having me right from Cleveland, and we wanted to kind of talk a lot about that and maybe even weave into some of the uh, the protests that are going on now and, and how that is affecting guys and their ability to get custody. But uh, as always, I start our podcast with a reminder that it's not an attorney-client relationship. Uh, you need to seek the advice of an attorney with your certain circumstances and facts because those really will affect any uh, conversation from an attorney. The details, the small details, you know, we've talked about that in the five uh, mistakes guys make during COVID. It's really in the details. But keep in mind, these are just discussion points, educational tools for you to take to an attorney. Uh, it is not to be taken as legal advice. If you need a consultation, certainly we're available around the country, including in Ohio and Cleveland and in the UK. You can reach us at 866-DADS-LAW or online at cordellcordell.com. So let's get to the topic of the day, and that is to talk about enforcement of rights. And that is a huge topic. We know we've been talking about that for weeks now during COVID-19, about guys not getting the type of uh, custody they want, whether it's pre-divorce, during divorce, or after divorce. And many guys are just asking that questions about how to enforce it. But obviously, here before we get to uh, that topic, let's just talk as we do. We start out when we get a, a, an attorney from a state that we haven't talked to in a while. What's going on with the court system in Ohio, particularly in the Cleveland area? So our courts have been largely closed. Uh, they have been doing a lot of Zoom hearings and offering a lot of attorney conferences. But in terms of in-person appearances, at least in Cuyahoga County, which is the county where Cleveland is, we haven't seen any ability to really get into court at this point. Um, even for emergency matters like domestic violences, they are trying to keep everything on the phone. But right now we are hearing from the courts that they're doing what they're calling a soft reopening. Uh, they joke there's no, no food or drink associated with that because of the connotation to restaurants. But they say they're doing a soft reopening in June, this first week of June. Um, in Cleveland, it has been slightly delayed because of the protesting that has damaged our building, actually, that the uh, domestic relations court is in. But we're anticipating that the courts will be rolling out in-person hearings in June. The problem with the in-person hearings is that the court is sharing space. The courthouse in Cleveland, particularly, is... Uh, it's limited in space for magistrate hearings. So the magistrates are sharing the judge's courtroom with other magistrates, with other judges. Um, so we're seeing now the courts opening back up, which is very encouraging. But the thing that is limiting is as we start to open back up, the availability of in-person hearings is limited to the availability of those larger courtrooms where the court can effectuate the social distancing that is recommended. Um, and then uh, for surrounding counties, we're also seeing Lake County, uh, which is another county contiguous to Cuyahoga. They're starting to talk about reopening. They're going to be doing uh, the in-person hearings, I believe, in July. And we're seeing uh, Summit County start talking about reopening, which is where Akron is. 
Um, and then some of the other counties are just kind of following what Cleveland does. A lot of places follow what Cuyahoga County is going to do. So we're ex expecting that this summer, the courts will be starting to reopen. It'll just be putting everyone's cases on a delay as we try to triage who needs the hearing rooms. Well, that's good. You know, the small delay is better than the long one. We've been wondering around pockets of the country could be a year or two delay, depending upon the system. You look in New York that wasn't taking any filings at all, not even emergency relief. They just didn't have the system built. You know, we're seeing 12 to 18 months around the country. So that's good news, at least in, in the Cleveland metro area. So right. let's and I'll come Go, I please, was just going to comment on that, Scott, that we are accepting filings here mm -hmm. in Cleveland and all of the surrounding cities. As far as I know, the courts are um, they're anticipating a flood mm -hmm. of more people as the courts start to open up, but there has been no talk of limiting your right to get your foot in the door. And that is really what the Cleveland office has been advising our clients is get your foot in the door because the sooner you file, the sooner you can get a hearing date and mm -hmm. the sooner we can make something happen for you. Yeah, we talked about it in my podcast yesterday where we talked about really there's no reason to delay. Get in the queue, you know, and start moving your case along so that when the courts are reopened, you have the best opportunity to try to get in line faster. Uh, even any delay is a bad delay, whether it's two, three, four, five, six months, you just want to get in and moving. And, and it really impresses the importance of getting counsel, getting advice, and getting filed. Uh, yes. And so it's important, especially now, you know, when we're the topic of the day, where we talk about um, if your child's withheld from you, uh, whether it's with an order, without an order, uh, you know, guys don't know what to do. They're, you know, it's, it's all new. No one has been faced with such a pandemic. And so maybe we start out with generally, if, if guys um, have any of their kids withheld from them, where is the first place they should start? What should they do? The first place that I would advise everyone to start is by talking to the other parent immediately in a uh, situation where you don't have a good relationship with the other parent, you don't have good communication skills, it's kind of, ha you, you hesitate to do it. But we recommend that that's the first thing that you do is start a conversation with the other parent. So what I would suggest is, you know, just get on the phone with the other parent, ask them, why can't I see my child? What's, what are your reasons? Try to understand their position. And then the important thing to do is to document, document, document after that. So if you start with a phone call, you need to document in follow-up with a text message or with an email. Um, if you are going to document with a text message and you're going to show text messages between you and the other parent, my suggestion is that you delete the other parent's name from your phone before you take any screenshots. Because at, for an evidentiary reason, we will need to have the full telephone number showing so that we can prove that these were in fact to and from the parents. And then I would also just suggest, you know, with email, hand text, anything you put in writing, you need to make sure that you're providing the full conversation if you do provide the conversation to an attorney, because anything that you leave out could be introduced by the other party and it could come back to bite you. So uh, anytime we're putting something in writing, we want to make sure that the words that we are putting out there are representing you and your position in the best light. Yeah. That's huge advice. What a great piece of advice that I really didn't even think about, especially in the era when we're doing, you know, something remotely and we're submitting evidence via Zoom, but even yet in person where, you know, we all think we put uh, contacts in our phone 
and it pops up with the name, not the phone number. And there's no way to display that number, perhaps if you're screenshotting. So I think that guys are watching right now, write that down, immediately go in there. It's, it's just simple. Go into contacts, delete the name. That'll just show the phone number. You know who the phone number is, and that, it's a great piece to and ensure that we can get some of that evidence uh, into the record. And follow up to that, the other thing that you could do that is really, really helpful to attorneys is if you could wait until your telephone conversation or your tax conversation is fully completed and wait maybe a day, then go back where you have, for example, in an iPhone or an Android, you normally do have the timestamp and the date stamp on there, but it sometimes doesn't appear when you're actually within the conversation and right. screenshotting at the same time. Um, I would just recommend that you try to get the date stamp and the timestamp into the screenshots that you eventually produce to your attorney because that'll make mm -hmm. things so much easier for us. Yeah, I think it's, it is so important. Uh, and I think what that emphasizes is what we've been saying all along is consult with an attorney. The, the things that you're giving guys right now, this, this meaty, uh, actionable, what, you know, what must I do stuff, is things you can get through a consult. And it's huge in preparing your case and putting you know, guys in the best position to achieve their goals. You know, no promises, but the point is there are steps you can take, like you've just given, that really gets them in a better position when and, and if they have to get to court. Right, and, I agree. And I think that there are so many ways that someone can jeopardize their case from the beginning in these crucial first steps. And that is why it's so important to meet with an attorney first. Even if you aren't ready to retain, just meet with us, get somebody at least in mind to come to when you're ready, because it's so important to just set everything up correctly from the beginning. It's very difficult for attorneys to go back and change time. We can't change facts. We can't change things that happen. What we can do is help you to create the best facts for yourself or to uh, make sure that you're presenting yourself in the best light immediately. And that's why having counsel is just so, so important. I can't emphasize yeah. it enough. So should guys call the police if their kids aren't being, you know, exchanged and they're not seeing them? And, you know, I typically I, I'm, I'm mixed because we don't see a lot of involvement or enforcement from the police, but should they do that? This is a trigger reaction I see in a lot of my clients where they want to just call the police. Um, I think that we see in my practice, and I do a lot of litigation, I see a lot of police reports, and I see the police show up, they say, this is a civil matter, please talk to your yeah. attorney, and then it doesn't go anywhere. So in terms of actually documenting something for the, from the police, I would say that you are probably not going to get very far with the police. I would recommend that my clients document things in writing themselves first between the other parent and mm -hmm. them. Uh, the only time that you should really be calling the police is if you show up to the other parent's residence and you are worried if you're going to attempt to retrieve your child that the other parent is going to make a false allegation against you. So if you yeah. want the police to just be there, especially if you're in a suburban area where the police can respond to a call like that, then in that case, I would recommend call the police. Um, I don't recommend that you just call the police to report that a parent is withholding because they don't typically do anything. And those police reports aren't actually admissible in most jurisdictions without the police officer present. So you incur a lot of uh, additional costs for yourself if you are going that route of only documenting through the police. Yeah, I tend to agree. You know, from a judge's perspective, there are times when I think they, they don't want to see it. You know, they certainly don't want their kids to see the police come. 
there's you can do the same thing through following the steps that you suggested with which is a conversation of documenting it screenshotting it. it it's just as good i mean i think you're trying to bolster the case but i think at some point it's it's too much um and i think you just tread cautiously uh, with the police because they typically won't ever get involved unless there's some sort of threats of physical violence or harm. Uh, so you just have to be careful because everyone thinks that, that that's the, you know, the ultimate solution. It's just not. Uh, I think there are better ways. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. So guys ask you know, a lot, we had questions during the virtual town hall you know, what is an appropriate denial of custody? When is it right during COVID-19? Because, you know, we've talked about um, the nurse or doctor in Florida that was denied custody simply because of the potential threat of COVID-19, not an actual diagnosis, not a positive test, not in, you know, in a hot spot around the country, nothing. And so I guess guys are saying, you know, when is it that I expect that the, them denying me is justifiable? I would say that the only justified uh, denial of a child under a COVID-19 situation is when one of the parents or a member of the parent's household is exhibiting the symptoms of COVID-19 and you do it out of a precautionary uh, reaction. I think that when it's inappropriate is, uh, and what we've been seeing a lot, are when um, first responders have their child denied or withheld. I think that when a first responder has their child withheld from them, the, it's mostly inappropriate. And what I would suggest in that instance, and what I've suggested to my own clients is speak with a person who you're dealing with, the other parent, about what their reasons are and just try to educate them. Most people have a fear of COVID with first responders and they think that first responders are most likely to get COVID. I am no medical doctor. But I know from talking with my clients who are first responders that they have a higher degree of protective gear than just you know, the mom who's going to the grocery store with her kids. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of instances, you could try to deal with that through education. But to go back to your original point, Scott, on when is it appropriate to actually withhold a child, I think the only instance that it's actually appropriate is when a member of the household is exhibiting symptoms and you're trying to contain the spread of the potential virus. And in that case, if you're the guy who is having your child withheld, I would suggest that you ask the parent to please go get a test as soon as possible. And if the parent tests negatively and has denied the visitation, I would suggest that the parent then ask for makeup time to compensate the parent for the time that they've missed. Mm -hmm. Again, documenting, responding to any allegations. Oh, you're putting the child at risk. There's COVID-19 issues. Always respond in writing to kind of just show that either to, to put aside the argument that it's a justifiable denial. And there's no, you know, by saying there's no good reason. I don't have anyone in my household. I haven't been anywhere. Uh, those types of things. Again, it all comes down and back to and circles back to documenting, doesn't it? Right. 
I, I do agree. Everything circles back to documenting, but I will caution clients that, um, and potential new clients, that when you are talking about communication with another parent, if you refuse to have an actual verbal conversation on the phone or face-to-face, -face, sometimes that can also come back to bite you because uh, guardians ad litem and the court, they wanna see in a shared parenting custody situation that you are able to communicate effectively with the other parent. So in that case, I would say, talk first, yeah. then follow up and document, hey, this is what we talked about, this is my understanding, put it in writing. Yeah, I think that email, I'm not a big fan of email. Uh, I think it's often misunderstood, especially when you write your emails in all capitals. Uh, yes, all so, caps is, that is <laughs> a, a danger no. zone. Yeah, so I, I mean, again, I think you're right. Pick up the phone, have the, the adult conversation, and then just confirm what you just all said in writing. Yes, uh, and, that and way, keep your children out of the mm -hmm. conversation. Do not pass messages through the children. Do not interrogate your children about what's going on at the other parent's house. Um, if you find that the other parent is doing that to your children about what's going yeah. on at your house, you need to address it with the other parent immediately, address it in writing, and let the other parent know that these are adult matters and that it's yeah. not appropriate for your child to hear or to be a part of or contribute to. The guy's watching now and he's saying, well, Carolyn, this is all great because I did all that. Now, what can you do for me? So if we are actively in a COVID-19 situation where the courts are either slowly reopening or they aren't fully reopened yet, I would recommend first that we talk about uh, what can you do without going to court. So if you're not actually in court yet, um, you might still have some options. Your attorney could reach out to the opposing party's attorney. If your attorney has a good relationship with opposing party's attorney, and many of the attorneys at Cordell and Cordell pride ourselves on this, then there may be an uh, opportunity to negotiate a solution without ever firing a shot in court. Um, if you have a parenting coordinator, your parenting coordinator, and this is available in most jurisdictions, um, it's definitely available in Ohio. It's something that you would need to have already established, but if you do have a parenting coordinator, this is a situation that your parenting coordinator could interpret and could issue an order on. Um, and then if you're in active litigation already, let's say you filed a motion a while ago before COVID started, you have a custody matter, and you have a guardian ad litem appointed, I would probably reach out to the guardian ad litem first, explain what's going on, Guardians ad litem have uh, different methods on how involved they will be, just depending on what guardian you have. But some of the guardians will actually step in and act as mediators. So there's a few things that you could potentially do if you retain an attorney without even going to court. But if you do have to take that option of going to court, I would say there's a few options available to you. The first would be requesting an attorney conference. Requesting an attorney conference, um, the court can grant that within a week. They can add, put it on the calendar. They can have a Zoom attorney conference, or they can have a telephonic attorney conference. And that's your first chance through your lawyer to get what's going on in front of the court. And a lot of the time, if the court is familiar with your case, they will intervene. Um, if you don't have a pending court case, you'll need to actually file a motion. Uh, you could file a motion to show cause or a motion to for contempt, and that would be if the other parent is withholding in violation of your custody order. And in that case, I would suggest that you also file a motion for attorney fees, because in some states, there is a statute in place that gives you the right to collect on attorney fees if the other parent is denying your parenting time and denying that parenting time without justification. And Ohio is one of those states. So you have the opportunity to potentially 
collect on your attorney fees. Um, and I would say that also the motion for attorney fees, even if you don't win it, you still have that oomph behind your motion by filing the attorney fees. And sometimes that is something that gets the other parent to comply. So I would just caution that some of the other things when you do file these immediate motions, you might see some delays, but at least you have your foot in the door. You have the potential for the court to address it through an attorney conference. You could also ask for an immediate Zoom hearing because it's a small issue and the testimony would likely not include many exhibits and your attorney might be able to effectively represent you over a Zoom hearing if the court couldn't uh, put something in place right away. And I would just note also that some of the courts already have administrative orders from the judges in place that say what the expectations are for parenting time during COVID and your attorney can analyze that for you and let you know, is this something that we can tell the court, look, you already issued an order on this. This is the expectation. The other party isn't meeting it. Please enforce your order. Yeah, there are guidelines. We talked about that about four weeks ago. Uh, it's important for guys to kind of look for resources, guidelines by local courts that talked about what to do during COVID, how to exchange it. Even in the UK, our solicitors have talked about there's particular guidance about uh, COVID-19 and custody rights and going through divorce. So, so it's, it's a very, uh, very interesting to go county by county to see what's out there. Right, and for the guys watching, I would just let you know that a lot of this information about what the orders actually are is available on your local court's website. Mm -hmm. So you can, before you consult with an attorney or after you consult with an attorney, you can refresh what your understanding is by these orders and use that to educate the other parent who's withholding. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, podcast full of great information. We certainly answered the questions we've been trying to do, which is what can I do? What should I do? And what must I do? Uh, every guy walks away from this one knowing exactly. But at the end of the day, I think the conclusion is, and I know you'll agree, get with an attorney, someone that just practices in family law, and then go through these things and make sure you put a plan of action together, right? Yes, having good, aggressive counsel who can help you from the beginning is just so important and it will pay off in the long run. A lot of people are hesitant to retain an attorney just because of the cost. And what I would say is that it's a lot less expensive to do it right the first time than have mm -hmm. us come in and fix it the second time. Yeah, I know. I've been in many of those consultations being the second lawyer in. Uh, it's an unhappy one for guys. So. Well, thanks again for joining and uh, providing guys with, you know, a ton of information and good tips and resources when they've been denied custody. So appreciate your time today. Thank you. And I hope that my information helps people to protect their relationship with their children. Yeah, absolutely. We'll continue to bring you this type of information every day in our podcast. Tune in on Thursday. Well, you'll have an opportunity to join in in our town hall live and ask questions of our panel and uh, get answers live during that segment as well. We'll also answer your questions one day each week during the podcast when we don't have an opportunity to get to your, your questions during the town hall. So until next time, stay safe. Have a good week. <laughs>